Welcome to Exaltation. This is Father David Masterson bringing you the beautiful, the good, and the true. Our scripture reading is Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said, You shall not eat from any tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden God has said, You shall not eat from it or touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said to the woman, You surely shall not die, for God knows that in the day that you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate and gave also to her husband with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin coverings. Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. In the Bible, everything is important even little words that give clues to what God is trying to tell us. The is a definite article, meaning this particular serpent. Moses doesn't unpack all the background of the serpent, but we know from other portions of Scripture who this serpent is. Revelation 12.9 says, So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old, called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. We read more on the devil being cast out of heaven in Isaiah 14.12-15. So in verse 1, we have one of God's good creatures, a snake, and the use of that snake by the devil for the purpose of seducing man. Now this serpent, Moses says, was crafty or wise. Notice that wisdom is not an evil quality, but a good one. Jesus said in Matthew 10, Be wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove. It is the very fact that the snake is wise that leads the devil to inhabit him and use him for his own purposes. Remember this, Satan is after you because you are the crown of God's creation. You are possessed of great capacities and potential as made in the image and likeness of God. Therefore, Satan seeks to inhabit you, to influence you in any way he can, for your downfall will be for him the greatest prize. He wants to take as many humans with him to hell as possible. So what do we know about Satan? Jesus said in John 8:44, You are of your father the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature, for he is a liar. Man has an adversary, the devil. He is the father of lies. The devil goes about full-time seeking to deceive men into believing lies. 
Satan hates the truth. He so hates the truth that he deals only in lies and deceptions and darkness. Now are we beginning to see the genius of the worldwide COVID virus deception? What better way to wreak havoc upon the whole world than to convince us that there is a deadly invisible virus highly contagious that requires separating people from one another for six feet apart, closing of churches and places of worship as non-essential superspreaders of the disease, bankrupting small businesses around the world, and allowing evil globalists to accomplish their sinister design for world domination. So the devil uses the serpent to accomplish his designs to defeat man. Satan says to the woman, Is it really true that God said you shall not eat from any tree of the garden? What Satan is doing is casting a very subtle and slight suspicion upon God's character. The first step in temptation is always to draw the mind away from trust in God. It is as if Satan is saying, Is it true that God has restricted you from enjoying the delights of the garden? This is not like someone who is truly good and kind. There must be some mistake. Now Eve is still innocent, childlike and trusting. She doesn't know good and evil. She doesn't know the deception of wickedness. She may even have had conversations with this talking snake before. There is a Jewish story claiming that Eve wondered how the snake could have gotten so intelligent as to learn how to speak, to which the serpent replied that he was once just an ignorant creature, but that he ate from the fruit of the garden and so became wise. Eve asked him, What fruit was it that you ate? And he showed it to her. It was from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Then Eve said, This certainly is excellent fruit and likely to make the eater of it wise. But God has forbidden us to eat of this fruit. To which the serpent replied, Is it true that God has forbidden you to eat from any tree in the garden? Eve responds in verse 2 and 3, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but from the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat of it, lest you die. Satan replies to Eve, You shall not surely die. God knows that when you eat this fruit, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now Satan's words smuggle in the assumption that God's words are subject to man's judgments. They are not. God's words are true, pure, holy, righteous, and good. There must be no debate and no independent judgment of man's discursive reasoning upon God's truth. We either obey God or we die. Deuteronomy 27.9 says, O Israel, this day you have become a people for the Lord your God. You shall therefore obey the Lord your God and do his commandments and his statutes which I command you today. The other thing Satan does is slightly exaggerate God's command in a negative direction. God didn't prohibit Adam and Eve from eating of every tree in the garden, just from one single tree. Satan uses the word every tree. Then Eve exaggerates God's prohibition and magnifies his strictness by adding a little something of her own. She says, God said, you shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, or you will die. 
God never said you could not touch the fruit to feel its shape and experience its beauty. What is more natural and delightful than for Adam and Eve to walk along in the garden and reach out to admire the fruit from all the trees? God said only do not eat of the fruit. This is a test case. God is saying to Adam and Eve, If you love me even a little, you will do what I tell you. But Satan pushes further. You shall not surely die. It is Satan's word against God's word. Which will Eve choose? The devil is crafty. He tells Eve that God doesn't really love her. He is envious of her becoming like him. And he presents her submission to God as him withholding good from her. It is as though Satan tells Eve, Listen, Eve, You don't really want to be in a subordinate position to God. You don't really want to obey his voice. God is holding out on you. He is keeping you from the really, really good life you can have if you only eat this fruit. Sadly, tragically, Eve believed the lie. It was a lie because experiential knowledge of evil is not what makes God God. Experiential knowledge of evil is what brings heartache and misery and everlasting sorrow to man. God already knows all things, all possibilities, all contingencies, all the future and all the past. Man will never be able to rise to the level of being like God until he is graced with complete assimilation to God in eternity. What Satan is saying is, if you want the whole truth, here it is, Eve. God knows that you will not really die. You will live. You will enter into a new and better kind of life, and you will see things fully and clearly. Now, it is true that Eve will learn something, but it is something terrible and deadly. If she rebels against God, she will know evil experientially. She will know what evil is really like and its terrible results. Eve is like a little child whose mother dearly loves her. So the mother says, Don't play near that raging fire or you will be hurt. You can play anywhere you want in our huge backyard, but don't go near the big fire because you'll get hurt. And so the child plays right near the fire falls into it, gets badly burned, and spends the next three days in agony in a burn unit, slowly dying. Look at verse 6. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, this last phrase, was desirable to make one wise, literally means to be coveted. Dear friends, what is the tenth and final commandment? Thou shalt not covet. Why is it in the tenth position? Because upon the tenth commandment rests all the other nine. Coveting, wanting what does not rightly belong to me as a creature in relationship with God, is the basis of all sin. For it is the internal attitude that leads to the external breaking of the other nine commandments. The internal position always precedes the external. Listen to 2 Corinthians 11, verses 2 and 3. 
For I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy, for I betrothed you to one husband, that is, to Christ, that I might present you as a pure virgin. But I am afraid, lest as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your mind should be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. Notice that this wonderful verse in 2 Corinthians 11 is still dealing with the mind, with the internal dynamic. There is no mention yet of external sin, but only of being led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. This verse is one of my favorites in the Bible because of these endearing words. The simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. Listening friend, how much do you love Jesus? Do you have a simple and pure devotion to Christ? For a simple and pure devotion to the Lord Jesus will keep you from the allurements and deceptions of Satan. Eve's choice is my choice. To remain a creature in dependence upon my Lord God to love and obey him because he is such a good and kind God, or to rebel, to try to be what the finite creature can never be. What will Eve choose? She already knows from the lips of God that in the day you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will surely die. The death penalty is as clear as the sky is blue. There's no possible misunderstanding of the prohibition. What then was Eve's downfall? She took Satan's bait. She doubted, she looked, she desired, and she ate. Eve listened to a creature instead of to her creator. She followed her own desires and impressions rather than God's clear instructions. She made self-fulfillment her goal rather than pleasing her Lord. This, listening friend, is the path of temptation Satan uses to get every one of us. Listen to a creature instead of the Creator. Follow your own desires and inclinations and understandings rather than God's clear instructions. Make self-fulfillment your goal rather than pleasing your Lord and Master. listening to Exaltation. I'm Father David Masterson bringing you the beautiful, the good, and the true, heralding the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ so that we may experience life in Him. Let's continue our lesson. Eve once had faith in the Word of God alone. She trusted in Him. She believed in Him. She wanted to obey Him. She had walked past the tree of the knowledge of good and evil hundreds of times before without a second thought. But 
Now her heart has been enticed away from faith and trust. She has departed from God internally. Sin always is committed in the heart and mind before it is committed in the body. Now verse 6 says, And she gave also to her husband with her, and he ate. Notice the important lessons to be learned from this little phrase. Where was Adam when Eve was beguiled by Satan? Adam is the protector of Eve, her guide, her instructor. Instead, he is off somewhere doing his own thing and leaving her vulnerable. Adam gives in to the persuasion and instigation of Eve. Adam knew better. He knew God's commandments. Eve's sin was not only against God but against Adam as well because she was his helpmeet, not his destroyer. It is very true that the woman can make or break the marriage relationship. A godly woman stands strong in righteousness and faith and supports her husband. The ungodly woman is defective in her faith, disobedient to God, and brings the husband down. Theologian Francis Schaeffer has an illuminating observation on this verse. He says, Temptation is extremely hard to resist when it is bound up with the man-woman relationship. Two great drives are built into man. The first is his need for a relationship to God. He must have union and communion and relationship and fellowship with God. His second need is for a relationship to the opposite sex. A special temptation is bound up with the sexual drive. How many young women are faithful as Christians until they come to a certain age and feel with their whole being without ever analyzing it the need for marriage? and are swept over into marrying a non-Christian man or a weak Christian? And how many men are faithful to God until they feel the masculine drive and give up their faithfulness to God by marrying a woman who carries them into spiritual problems for the rest of their lives? There is no greater agony than suddenly falling in love and severing the greater relationship, our relationship with God himself. Now let's observe the results of the fall of man in verses 7 to 24. There are eight tragic results. Number one, as the result of the fall, all men are sinners and all men sin. I must never forget that if I am a Christian today, Yesterday I was a rebel against God and dead in my sins. God in his mercy opened my eyes to see Jesus, to believe upon him, and to trust him. Therefore I have compassion upon all men, for all need salvation just as I needed it. The second result of the fall is that Adam and Eve lose their innocence. They lost the joy of childhood, and adulthood rushed upon them with a vengeance. The promise of Satan did not materialize. They did not receive the divine enlightenment. Instead, they received guilt and shame. They became alienated from each other and ill at ease with one another. They became ill at ease with God and fearful and hiding from him. The third result of the fall was the blame game enters stage front. 
God asks Adam, who told you that you were naked? The fruit of sin is shame. Shame is the result of sin, and sin was at work in them like a poison. After they disobeyed God, they saw their nakedness and were afraid and hid from God. They were actually hiding from the only one who could really help them, the very one they needed the most. Notice that God asks them, where are you? God is all-knowing. He knew where Adam and Eve were hiding. The question, where are you, was God's question to them like holding up a mirror to show Adam and Eve the tragic seriousness of their situation. Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? And Adam points the figure at Eve. The woman you gave me to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I ate. Each of us own up our own blame and our own guilt because of the sin which we have committed. We must confess to God, I did it. The fourth result of the fall was that the serpent was cursed to go upon his belly and eat dust all the days of his life. Many commentators believe that before the curse, the serpent walked upright and was allowed to eat fruits and vegetables like other animals. Now he is reduced to slither across the ground and must constantly taste dirt with all he eats. The fifth result of the fall is I will put enmity between the woman and the serpent. There has always been a conflict between women and snakes. I don't know a lot of women who are crazy about having snakes as pets in their homes. But more importantly, in verse 15 is the spiritual message of the first gospel. There will be an endless spiritual battle between the seed of the devil and the seed of the woman. This seed of the woman refers to our Lord Jesus Christ, who will one day defeat the serpent. Satan can only bruise Christ's heel. He can cause him to suffer. But Christ will bruise Satan's head. He will destroy him with a fatal blow. The sixth result of the fall is that to the woman God gives a twofold curse. First, there will be pain in the birthing of children. Second, there will be conflict between the woman and her husband. To love and to cherish becomes to desire and to dominate. The desires of the woman will be subject to her husband to deny or fulfill them as he sees fit. The harmonious relationship God created between Adam and Eve in marriage now becomes a battlefield of the wills. The woman will tend to want to rule over her husband and the husband will retreat to a posture of male domination. The seventh result of the fall is that Adam is cursed. Because you listen to the voice of your wife instead of to my voice, now you are cursed. Adam turned his back on God to listen to his wife in eating what God had forbidden. He gave up his leadership, his counsel, and his protection of Eve and weakly followed her into sin. He should have lovingly led her. Instead, he weakly followed her. Not a good dynamic for a healthy Christ-centered marriage. Men are intended to lead by example. Women are intended to follow that good example. Then there is harmony without competition. Because of Adam's sin, God cursed the ground. In pain you will eat of it all the days of your life. There will be thorns and thistles, weeds, pestilences, and trouble tilling the soil. Eventually man himself will return to the ground from which he was taken. But the greatest tragedy of all 
was losing relationship with God. Without a relationship of love and dependence upon God, man cannot fulfill his divinely appointed role in the world to love God with all his heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to live in continuous union with him. Now, it is helpful to look at this another way. In the modern world, psychology is thought to contain all the answers to man's problems. This simply is not true. Man's basic problem is theological and biblical, not psychological. Because of his fall into sin, man carries his separation from God into his own personality, creating further disintegration. Therefore, we have self-deception. All men are liars, but the greatest falsehood is not lying to others, but lying to ourselves. The final result of the fall is that man is driven out of the garden. The snake's promises are fulfilled, but not in the way that Adam and Eve thought. Man received knowledge, but it was tragic knowledge. Man did not immediately die, but one day he would have to die, and he is doomed to a life of unending struggle. He has lost friendship and relationship with God. He is now afraid of God and hiding from him in his sinful condition. God utters an exclamation of compassion and pity. Behold the man! Behold what has become of man by his sin who was once like us. How sad is his condition now that he knows good and evil experientially and is cursed. But God knew that if Adam ate of the tree of life, he would live forever in a cursed, disordered state of rebellion against God. So God in his mercy drove out Adam out of the garden as an act of compassion for him. God knows that Adam will want to come back to the tree of life and eat its fruit, thinking that he will then recover from his sin and disobedience and separation from God. Man is constantly inventing ways to save himself. We are so arrogant and prideful and rebellious against God that we think we can make ourselves better. We think we can create world peace. We think we can save humanity. But this is all wrong-headed and arrogant. It is man raising his fist in the air against the majesty of God. Adam must be forced into the realization that he is lost, that his sins have created an immense and tragic problem, and that he must seek a solution. His sins must be pardoned. He must be spiritually healed from the poison of sin that has entered into his being. And to do that, God be praised. He will bring a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. For of him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory both now and forevermore. Amen. been listening to the program Exaltation. I'm Father David Masterson with Godet Ministries. You may reach us on the web at godetministries.org. That's G A U D E T E 
ministries.org. This gospel outreach is entirely listener-supported. Please help us proclaim the gospel on the radio to a needy world. You may donate online at our website. Your gift, large or small, is gratefully appreciated. Until next time, may God richly bless you with this word of encouragement from the prophet Isaiah. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable. He gives strength to the weary, and to him who lacks might he increases power. Though youths grow weary and tired, and vigorous young men stumble badly, yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not faint.